0: Hey, welcome to the Life Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's message. And for more info, you can check us out on Facebook at Life Church of Columbia. Good Friday. Has anyone been keeping up scripturally with Holy Week this week? Uh,. It's been pretty incredible this year to read through, uh, just catch up on. There was so much being fulfilled throughout the whole last week. I may have to switch, huh, Mike? Am I to switch mics? I'm feeding back pretty bad. It's because I'm right under the speaker. And uh, I really thought, I got it. Got me, Jason? Give him a. Give him a minute. He'll figure it out. He'll get me lined up. I really had intentions to just go full-blown teacher mode tonight and uh, really do just a breakdown of Christology from Old Testament to New Testament. Uh, I have been on just a, uh, I don't even know what you would call it. Uh, I've just been stuck in in a Christology approach to everything right now, and you may be thinking, what is What is this weird word you're using? Uh, Christology is just the study of Jesus. That's the simplest way to put it. Theology is the study of and what we know about God. Christology, or I guess correctly pronounced would be Christology. I like to say Christology because it's who I'm talking about. Uh, Christology is just the study of him. And and the more I get into this and the more I'm uh, intrigued by this, you see so much more of how everything is literally pointing towards Jesus. Uh, We see scriptures like all things are made through him, by him, and for him. And those are massive scriptures. They're they're scriptures that we hear a lot and we read through. But without a proper uh, uh, biblical understanding and revelation of things like that, it's hard to fully wrap your mind. It's hard to go in the Old Testament and figure out how it points to Jesus. And and I'm really... uh, I really wanted to just get lost in that tonight, but I'm actually not. The last two days in prayer, I feel like God just jerked the reins on me and said, Tonight, we're going to keep it simple, and we're going to just going to brag on Jesus. We're going to get down to the, the very fundamental elements of why is this weekend so important. Do you agree that this weekend, what this weekend represents for us, is the uttermost important weekend of a Christian's life? It's, it's, weir- it's, I say weir- it's weird because it's actually the foundation and the culmination of everything we believe. Isn't it crazy how something could be the foundation, the beginning, the, the, the starting point, and at the same time it becomes the culmination and the wrapping up of everything? Did you know that Paul actually said, if there is no resur- res- resurrection, then our preaching is in vain and our faith is for nothing. It all comes down to this weekend. This weekend is the one thing that separates us from every other belief in the world. From every other, no one else actually gets to stop and say, well, you know what, mine's still alive. Man, we got to get back excited about Jesus because there is a lot of, uh, (coughs) there is a, I was doing so good not coughing. No, I can't. Thank you, but I can't. Uh, It would sound terrible, I promise. There is a lot of, uh, how we want to do this? There is a lot of uh, eschatology, and there is a lot of, what's the word I'm looking for, Dad? Apologetics. There's so much of that to be caught up in and get wrapped up in. And what's crazy is a lot of us spend a lot of our religious engagements in apologetics. You just don't know that's what it's called. Because apologetics is just me arguing with you that what I believe is more right than what you believe. And so what happens a lot of times is we get so caught up in these things and we get so caught up in our arguments and we get so caught up in what we think is right and we're so rigid in it has to be my way. And I feel like this week it was just such a bringing me back to the simplicity of he died on a cross and he went to hell and he busted it wide open and he took the keys to my life and he took every punishment that should have been on us and he came back. He skipped back by earth for one minute to tell the disciples, I told you so, and then went on to heaven and became seated at the right hand of the Father. And today, He reigns supreme. He is above all things, and everything is beneath Him. He is sitting in the heavens, and the earth is His footstool. I'm talking about Jesus. Do you still believe that He is everything we declare Him to be? He is this, and He is this. He is everything. He is the one thing. Thing that makes all things consist. It's in him that all things are held together. It's just Jesus. It's just him. It's just him, but our 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 theologies and our, our rigid understandings have pulled us away from the simplicity that's just him, and he did die, and he is alive. I feel like, (coughs) Jason, this is why I didn't give you no scriptures. Because who knows where I'm going to end up. (laughs) I feel like we hold so close to us the excuse that they got to see him. He came back and showed himself to them. They had an encounter with him. And it's become the excuse that makes us dig into an intellectual ascent to the gospel. And I have to become super intellectual because I didn't see him like they seen him. When in reality, he said the goal is that I am resurrected and you get to see me and you get to see me. The goal was an encounter. Paul didn't, uh, Saul didn't become Paul because he was smart. He became Paul because he had an encounter with Jesus Christ, the risen, resurrected King of Kings. This is what this thing is about. The shallow, poor expression of Christology that is in the American church is the indictment against the lack of encounters we have experienced in Him. We don't know Him in the Bible because we don't know Him personally through encounter. I'm just overwhelmed with scriptures like he that knew no sin was willing to lay down his life and become sin so that I could become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's the gospel. That's the whole thing wrapped up in one verse. Romans chapter 5 verse 8 is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church, that he laid down his life for her. And we immediately go to he died, and he did die for her, but he laid down his life. What was his life? He was the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He was sitting at the right hand of the Father. He Himself, according to Colossians, created all things and made all things and was supreme over all things. He was God And he said, you know what, Father? I'm willing to lay down this life to take on a flesh suit and dwell with them and live with them and touch them and heal them so that later one of the apostles could pin we have not a high priest who doesn't understand the infirmities and the hurts and the sorrows that we experience. This is Jesus. This is who He was. This is who He is. And this is who He will forever be. He was the King of kings. He was Jesus, the Son of God, the One who was in the beginning before all things, and the One who will remain after all things are gone. And He said, Father, I'll go. (laughs) We love to quote the Old Testament scripture where God says, I sought for a man. I looked everywhere, Kenny, and nobody was good enough. There wasn't a single person on earth that was good enough to do what God wanted to do in his heart. And the son stood up and said, I'll go. I'll go for them. They don't deserve it. They're not worthy of it. But I'll go because I love them that much. <laughs> And we have a king who stands up off of his throne and takes off the most beautiful robe we can't even fathom. And he takes off a crown that is immeasurable and he lays it before the Father and says, I'll go. I'll go even though they'll deny me. I'll go even though they'll crucify me. I'll go even though they won't care. I'll go even though 2,000 years later they'll still be bickering and arguing over their own opinions and their own methods and their own styles, but I love them so much. I just love them so much that I would lay down everything that I am and I would take on everything that they are so that in return they could become everything that I am. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is what the whole thing is about. (laughs) Oh, what a Jesus. (sighs) Oh, gosh. She started preaching my message a while ago. Because in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, if you start in about 17... Some of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. It's so weird that Corinthians could be probably one of my least favorite books and yet contain some of my favorite scriptures. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, and the old things have passed away, and behold, all things become new. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us back to Him through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world back to Himself. Catch this. Not imputing their trespasses upon them and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. Tonight, I feel like God is pleading through me. I implore you, for the sake of Christ, be reconciled to God. For He made Him who knew no sin to become sin that we may become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus And here's where Lindsay picked up. Because remember, he wasn't writing chapters and verses. He was writing a letter. And he said, after all this, we then as workers together, I plead with you, don't receive this grace of God in vain. Don't receive this in vain. I quoted this as Romans 5 and 8 earlier, but we're not there yet. 2 Corinthians 5 and 21, For He made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. You want to know the beauty of Christology? The beauty of Christology is that this is already happening all throughout the Old Testament. It's so beautiful when you see the prince named Jonathan, who, 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 who inquires a best friend named David who is an absolute nobody. He is merely the sheep keeper. The son of who a lot of people believe would be the mistress of his father. So therefore when the, 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 the prophet comes and says bring me your sons. He doesn't even call David in. David's not even worthy. His own son. He said there's no way he would pick David. As a matter of fact I don't like to show David to a lot of people. Oh come on. This may not ring for you, but I can see I'm David. I'm David and I'm, I'm, I'm David and I'm also David's father and I'm saying it can't be me I don't even like to show me to most people when everybody gets called for the trophies I don't even pick me I don't even call me in because I'm not the one but then all of a sudden David becomes friends with the prince named Jonathan and Jonathan and David find themselves in a position and Jonathan says David you know what I'm going to do I'm going to take off my kingly robe and I'm going to take your garment and I'm going to put it on I'm gonna put my robe on you I'm gonna put my belt on you I'm gonna put my weapons on you why he was showing us there's someone coming in the future who is a prince that's gonna be willing to take off a robe and say you weren't even picked you didn't deserve a trophy you weren't the one but I'm gonna take off my robe and I'm gonna place it on you and I'm gonna give you my belt and I'm gonna give you my shoes And you know what happened? If they would have walked out of the room dressed like that, everybody would have bowed to David. They would have bowed when David walked by, and they would have looked up and not even stared at Jonathan because he would have been nobody. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ as they stuck their nose up to him and yelled crucify him because he's a nobody. He's not worthy to be picked while he was laying on a cross bleeding. He was taking off a kingly robe and putting it on each and every one of us as he laid there looking at a Peter that was denying him. He was telling Peter, you can have my robe. You can have my crown. You can have my belt, Peter. This is why I'm here. He wasn't mad at Peter he knew what Peter would do he knew Peter was a mess up he knew you were a screw-up he knew you'd fall he knew you'd fail he knew you'd mess it up he knew all those things and as he's laying there and they're, they're beating him beyond recognition the Bible says he locks eyes with Peter and I believe in that moment he could see Peter putting on a robe of righteousness And even though in the moment Peter was denying him, he was saying, Peter, because of what I'm going through, I'm taking on a sin so that you can put on a righteousness, so that you can step into something that you don't deserve, that you didn't earn. You didn't earn this, Peter. You didn't earn this, David. You didn't earn this. But because of who I am, oh, but because of who I am, I'm taking off this kingly robe and I'm taking off this crown. I'm going to take off my signet ring, David, and I'm going to put it on your hand, and I'm going to relinquish an authority to you, an authority that you actually don't deserve. He that knew no sin, He was completely and absolutely perfect. He never said one wrong thing or treated one person the wrong way. He never responded illy or shrewdly, (laughs) Dustin. He never responded outside of character. And when the time come and Judas betrayed him and they come to get him and they said, we're looking for Jesus. He said, I am he. And when he said it, virtue came out of him and everybody went to the ground. And when everybody went to the crown, Jesus had to reign in his authority. I believe in this moment, Jesus had to reign in his authority so that death could do its job. He became obedient even unto death. When he said, I am Jesus, the baddest of the bad Roman soldiers fell to their face with no power, with no strength, with no ability. There was no military training that could prepare them for the moment when he said, I am he. And they all went down, and Jesus said, Oh, wait, wait, I forgot, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, sometimes I just, it just comes out of me. Sometimes I'm just walking through a crowd and someone touches me and virtue leaves me because it's what I'm here for. It's what I'm full of. And when I'm so full of it, sometimes when you touch me, it just comes out. Sometimes when you ask me, it just comes out and it comes out with power and it comes out with authority and it comes out with. And Jesus said, Whoa, whoa, wait, wait. I'm sorry. Get up, get up. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that to y'all. Peter, quit cutting people's ears off. This is the way it's got to (laughs) be. Jesus relinquishes his authority in this moment. You know what this was to me? He He that knew no sin became sin. And there was something in him that was so opposed to and dominant over sin He had to pull back his authority so that sin could even grab a hold. you got to catch this. you got to catch this because today's theology and hermeneutics and homiletics will teach you that you're just a sinner and you're always going to sin and sin's always got a hold to you and sin's always going to dominate you and it's always going to control you. But Jesus said, I literally had to pull myself back so sin would even have a chance. And he lays himself down and becomes obedient even unto death. And he that knew no sin becomes sin. And in the moment of him becoming sin and crying out, Eli, Eli, laba shaktani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In the moment of him becoming forsaken by a father, all of a sudden an entire world steps into a new realm. And it's called the realm of Jesus Christ and him crucified. And in this realm, I get to put on a robe and I get to put on a crown. He became forsaken and I became adopted. And it awakened some spirit within me. And that spirit cries, Abba, Father. And for a split second, you can teach it how you want to. But for a split second, he became orphaned so that I could have a father. Eli, Eli. Lama My God, my God. The one and only time in Scripture He does not call Him Abba. Because when He relinquished for one moment and gave up by obedience and allowed sin to become upon Him, He could not cry out, Abba, Father because he had found himself in our position because before the cross you couldn't say it and you couldn't say it and you couldn't cry Abba. All you could say was Yahweh or maybe Elohim or, 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 or. there's hundreds of names you could say but you could not say Abba. And in a moment of him crying God we were able to cry Abba. When he reigned himself back to only be able to say what they could say, then they could say what only he could say. Come on. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this is why Paul said, I choose to know nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified because that is the answer. It's him. It's just Jesus. It's just Jesus Oh, my goodness. In the Old Testament, we get another beautiful picture of Christ that wouldn't come for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years later in the flesh. But we see Adam living in the garden doing his thing, and God has said, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good, and then he comes out with his first, it's not good. And he says, it's not good that man should be alone or all one. He says, but I'm going to create someone. I'm going to take from you and make someone that is who you need. And the Bible says he causes Adam to go into a deep sleep and reaches inside of Adam and pulls out something to create a bride. And you may think this is a cool story we learned on a green felt board in Sunday school. But in reality, it was just Jesus. Because in the New Testament we see Jesus gets put into a deep sleep and God reaches inside of him and grabs the Holy Spirit and pulls it out of him and establishes a bride that would begin to dominate and rule the earth. Everything was pointing towards Jesus. It's all about Him. It's all about Him. We see, we see Abraham pay tithes to this very mysterious Malik Zadok. Melchizedek, who he pays tithes to this man who has no beginning and no end. Then later on, we see Joshua about to go into battle, and it says the angel of the Lord stood before him. He draws a sword and says, are you for me or against me? He says, I'm the commander of the Lord's army. And Joshua falls down and begins to worship him. And if you notice, the angel never says, don't worship me. Angels are not allowed to receive worship. So this must not have been just an angel. This must have been the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And way back in the Old Testament, a Joshua who was not under the New Covenant with better promises and better availability is standing before Jesus Himself. And we wonder, how was Joshua so confident to go into battle and to move in the directions he went? Not because he's seen angels. seen Jesus. Three Hebrew boys get thrown into a fire and as they're walking around, the king, a, a wicked, wicked king cries out, wait a minute, did we not throw three men in the fire? I see a fourth one and it looks like the son of God. How does this man even know? who the Son of God is. And, and, and way before He was supposed to show up and take over the world, we see Jesus show up for three Hebrew boys who were just being obedient. This is Jesus. This is Jesus. This is what it was all about. <coughs> Romans 5 Verse number 6 says, For when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for us. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare, possibly, maybe, give their life for. But God demonstrates his love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us the reconciliation. These scriptures are so big because these scriptures keep telling us about who we are and where we are now because of Jesus. If we circle back to where we started. For he made him who knew no sin become sin that we may become the righteousness of God in him. And as I begin to read this, I begin to realize that action. R- righteousness is not actions that I do. Righteousness is my identity. And all my actions come from my identity. So when I'm acting in ways that aren't righteous, it's because I have stepped outside of the identity that Jesus came to give me. It's because I've taken a moment and said, you know what, I'm going to slip out of the robe for a minute. I'm, I'm going to step out for just a minute. Because, because and, and then we say, well, i got to do something to be righteous. When in reality, if righteous is your actions, then you can vacillate back and forth. But this says that through Christ, I become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. This is what this is about. Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. And the old things have passed away, and all things become new. Now all things are of God. I want you to see the correlation between 2 Corinthians and Romans 5. <coughs> Now, all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. And then has given us that ministry as well. That God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Not imputing their trespasses. But if you jump over and read Romans, you'll learn that he was actually imputing the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And so... We, we have to be very careful here because if we don't have good Christology, if we don't have a good understanding of Christ and what he accomplished and what he did, then we have more faith in the imputed sin of Adam than we have in the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ. And I will quickly fall prey to living a life cycle of sin if I believe more in the imputation of sin than I believe in the imputation of righteousness. So we have to stop and begin to ask ourselves, do we believe that the righteousness of Jesus is stronger than the fall of Adam? Do we believe that or, or, or because of a lack of experience have we chose to talk, to teach? Sin is really, really powerful and you'll just have to deal with it until one day, sweet by and by, you get to go to heaven, and then you won't sin no more when you're in heaven. But what happens is the Bible begins to teach us that when Jesus was going through everything he went through, it was so that you would take on his identity and his nature and to stop for one minute and dwindle his identity down to some sin-stricken, impoverished, Weak and frail identity that I never win and I never have the upper hand is to diminish Jesus, who we just learned literally had to reign in His power just so people could stand on their feet around Him. This was the design. But because we've chosen to build our theology around our impoverished experiences... We've placed the imputation of Adam above the imputation of Christ. And Paul is preaching this amazing gospel saying, You missed it. Jesus did it. He turned this thing around. And if you can, by faith, step into this identity of the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, then you don't have to keep going back and, and experiencing that same failure over and over and over again. This is why Paul goes from this incredible message into, shall we continue in sin so that grace may abound? Certainly not. Because in my new identity, sin is dead to me. And I can't even go back and raise this thing from the dead because I have stepped into something brand new. If I died with Christ, then surely I was resurrected in Christ Jesus. And this is the gospel of Jesus Christ." It's the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. This is what He was coming for. So that we could experience this. Not so we could join a church and try to be a better you. Until one day you get to go to heaven. No, no, no. No, It was He was showing us all through the Old Testament. All the way up into the New Testament. He was teaching us that I'm coming to lay down everything that I am so that you can accept it and you can put it on and you can become that. <laughs> 2 Corinthians 2 and 14, he says, Now thanks be unto God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. Yeah. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. I believe the depth of our Christology has to, has to grow Astronomically. That a, a, a true understanding of who Christ is is so shallow in the Western church. And it has to grow through experience and study. It has to, it has to grow with these two things where, where we find ourselves studying things out because we've had experiences. When I've, when I've had these encounters and I've had these moments with Him and, and it pulls me into His Word, it, it pulls me into something and I just I, I need to understand. I need to know a little more. I need to see Him a little better. So I keep going back to this and I keep saying, you know what? If that's true, I want to find Him in the Old Testament. If that's true, I want to find Him in the book of Numbers. I want to find Him in Leviticus. I want to find Him in 1 and 2 Samuel. I want to know every, everything about Him. I want to know how He moves, how He I want to know his personality I want to know his emotions I want to know how he responded I want to know everything I can find out about him through his word and through him he made him who knew no sin to become sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. I can't get over this scripture. When it becomes this time of year, we see so much, so many videos, things they've made, clips, pictures, whatever it may be, of everything that this weekend represents. The crucifixion, all of it, the whole process, and we see it constantly. Constantly. And now when I see these things, when you watch the movie, when you see the thing on Facebook, whatever it may be, and it shows these moments, and it brings you into these things, I have to keep thinking, he went through all that so that he could take on everything that I was. He went through all that so that he could be made what I was, the dysfunction and the, 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 the utter mistake and mess-ups that I was, so that I could become who he's called me to be. And now, I plead with Paul from 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1. I plead with you. Don't receive this grace of God in vain. Knowing now what it was and why it was and what it took don't continue to live in that defeated, depressed, depleted, sin-stricken, sin-cycled lifestyle. Don't take it in vain. Don't, don't, don't just say, man, that's a good idea, that's a great story. I'm so thankful one day we get to go to heaven because Jesus died on the cross. If the only thing you get out of Jesus' die on the cross is going to heaven one day, then you missed some of the biggest parts of what he died for. Amen. Is getting to go to heaven great? Yes. I'm not downplaying that whatsoever. But he said, I did this. I became sin so that you could become the righteousness of God. Here, now, on earth, in this moment. Behold, now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. Don't take this in vain. Don't wait till later. Don't wait till some other time. Dad has been teaching us now. Now is the time. Now is the time to believe that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Right this moment, not when you figure this out, not when you fix this thing, not when you get over this thing. Right now, if He already died on the cross, He already imputed His righteousness. And we know that the cross has already been taken care of, and the resurrection has already happened, and He has already been seated. So therefore, He has already imputed His righteousness into your life. And He looks at you and says, You are now the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Now is the acceptable time. Today is the day. We have to step into and begin to believe that we are everything he paid for. Everything he went in there for. Courtney, you want to come play? Scriptures in Romans chapter 5 it says, For when we were without strength, he died for us. He demonstrated, he proved, He his love is demonstrative. And he did it all while I was still broken. And he did it all knowing that for a long time I would remain broken. He did it all for a long time knowing I would be in and out and up and down and I would believe one minute and not believe the next. I think some of you need to realize that he still did it knowing that you would have these moments of being so close only to later find yourself asking the question, is it even real? I mean, really? This didn't happen, that didn't happen, whatever. Is it even real? I mean, are we really still even hanging on to He knew. He knew you'd have those questions, Peter. He knew you'd go through all that. But it says, while you didn't have no strength, while you were weak, he said, I'm going to do it all. Because you couldn't. As a matter of fact, one of my favorite, favorite books to teach, which I'm actually fixing to get to teach again, to the ladies at chapel. Colossians. Says giving thanks to the father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints and the light. He delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God and the firstborn of all creation. Notice this. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers. (laughs) He qualified you. Through what He did, by becoming who you were, He qualified you to become who He is. Then He goes on to say, qualified you partakers of the inheritance of light. And He has delivered you from the power of darkness. Remember, because we didn't have the strength. And when you don't have the strength, you can't deliver yourself. So you couldn't qualify yourself, so he did it through the cross. And you couldn't deliver his yourself, so he did it by going to hell and getting the keys. Because you couldn't get them and you couldn't get yourself out and you couldn't stop doing the thing and you couldn't stop saying that or drinking that or taking that or being involved in that. So he said, I'm going to do it all and I'm going to go to the cross to qualify you. I'm going to go get the keys to deliver you. And then lastly it says, and now he has conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love. That word conveyed actually means to pick up and carry on your back. Because while you were without strength, he died for the ungodly so you were so weak and we were so messed up and we so couldn't get out he qualified us by the cross he goes to hell and get the keys so that we could be delivered and then still picks us up on his back and carries us in to this beautiful kingdom so now we have stepped out of darkness and into this marvelous light this is the gospel of Jesus Christ so tonight I wanted to bring to you the 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 thing that should be the most celebrated message on the planet of the earth and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ that he that knew no sin can we just celebrate him tonight can we celebrate him because we're all in the kingdom because he carried us we're all qualified because of a cross, and we're all delivered because he went and snatched the keys back. That's your story. It's my story. It's everyone's story. It was just Jesus. It's just him. And Jesus plus nothing equals everything. It's just him. He did it all. He accomplished it all. He conquered it all. It's just Him. And we have to get back to the simplicity like Paul. (coughs) And declare once again, Kenny, man, I choose to know nothing. I'm, I'm honored, grateful, and thankful that He has designed me and created me in a way that I'm a teacher. And I love to absorb knowledge, and I love to read books, and I love to study things out. But my prayer this week has been God never allow me to replace the simplicity of just knowing Jesus and Him crucified with all of the things I could come up with. I could have got up here tonight and taught you ten new words and I could have broke down the Greek and Hebrew and it would have sounded amazing and you would have took tons of notes and you would have gained so much information. But tonight I just wanted to convey to you Jesus, Him crucified him resurrected so I want to do things a little different tonight (coughs) and I want to do a I don't even know what to call it because it's so different I just want to do a communal a family altar call just all of us together I'm not going to ask all of you to come up here unless there is something and you are just saying I need to get up there I need to pray I need to agree on something I want to make that available to you if that is you tonight and you're saying you want to come up here for any kind of prayer me or pastor or any, we will pray with you but as a family tonight I want us to all just stand we're going to, we're going to do some things that I normally hate and fight against like hold hands and, and be close to one another but I figure the best time to do these things is when I'm preaching because then I get to stay up here. You see what I'm saying? And I'll just direct y'all on how to do this. <laughs> it's been a crazy uh, adventure and uh, a very progressive nature lately for Life Church. If you've been paying attention to anything, uh, there's been so much progress. It's crazy to think. I mean, just just take a minute and let's just brag on God. It's crazy to think of what we experienced in 2020, but still look back and see the progress of Life Church. So, when you begin to understand these things, you begin to see that God is so moving us forward and, and things are growing. And God is beginning to give prophetic words on so many levels. Uh, I walked into my office the other day, and on my calendar was written, uh, Sister Mary gives prophetic word that life churches and it was the whole thing and and just God is bringing it from anyone and everyone who will listen right now and declaring things and and, and giving us direction so in this <coughs> I want us to just take a moment tonight and we're just going to as a family we're going to pray some of these things we talked about tonight. We're going to pray for the the boldness to like Paul say in the midst of the growth in the midst of the expansion, in the midst of change, in the midst of everything that's going on, I want to remain. I want to remain in this place of saying, in the middle of all of it, I just—it's just Jesus and Him crucified. Like that's just it. No matter how big the platform gets, no matter how big the influence gets, no matter what I get of uh, the availability I get, it's just going to be Jesus and Him crucified. Now, one thing that's beautiful about the gospel is that it puts everybody on the same playing field. Yes, it does. We all have the same story. We all had to have that cross. No one's exempt. No one got to start from somewhere that someone else didn't. In life, you can get a lot of, ha- a lot of upper hands in situations. I was super blessed in life. I was so blessed, it was easier for me to get into certain places and achieve certain things. I understand that. But in the kingdom of God, everyone starts on a level playing field. Why is this important? Because this should be a core value that unifies us. I can't think of myself more highly than you because I had to have the same cross. And Jesus had to shed the same blood for me that he shed for you. So I can't think, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the pastor's kid. It don't matter. So this is something that has to unify us and bring us together. And can I tell you right now, Satan wants nothing more than to disrupt us. His desire is to separate you, to put you on an island to separate you from everyone else, to do something to divide this up. So tonight, us as a family on Good Friday, under the shadow of the cross and under the the influence of everything He did for us, tonight, together as a family, we are going to declare some things. We're going to speak some things. So tonight, (coughs) grab hands with somebody close to you. I'm not going to make everybody come together and do it. I'm not going to be that demanding. But I want to do it because I want us to biblically come under some things of agreement, of touching on anything. So tonight we're going to start, and I want to just begin to declare that over this family, that tonight we declare that we choose to know nothing but Jesus Christ and Him being crucified. So tonight with the person next to you, I want you, these are declarations. You get what I'm saying? You have to declare it from your mouth so now it's your turn I choose to know nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified come on you have to make yourself believe it make the devil believe it let the Holy Spirit hear you say it I declare to know nothing else I declare to know nothing else it's just Jesus it's just Jesus somebody declare it's Jesus plus nothing equals everything it's just Jesus Father, we thank you for the cross that unifies us. We thank you for the cross that tears down every wall of division. There's no Jew, no Greek, no no, no barbarian, no slave, no free, no male, no female. It's just, he tears down every divisive wall through the work of the cross. Jesus tore down every wall of separation. He tore down every division. He tore down everything that would come between us. So tonight we declare there are no walls of separation. Think of it like this. If Jesus tore down every wall of separation, that's the scripture I'm, y'all catch the scripture I'm declaring. He tore down the middle wall of perdition in our life, making us one man. What are those scriptures? Do you know, do you know the address real quick? Uh, pull them up while we're talking about it. This is what I want you to catch. Why is this so important? For one, it's so important because of where we're going and what God is doing. Satan wants to divide us so much. We're going to declare some things on unity. The scripture teaches us that through through the efficacy of the cross, he tore down every wall of separation in our lives. Do you know what that means? If there is a wall in your life that has become separation, you built it. Here it is. Oh my gosh. I should have had these scriptures earlier. Uh, but now in Christ Jesus, he <laughs> gave me the King James Version. Now who are in Christ Jesus, ye, whatever that means, ye who sometimes were afar off were made nigh. Ye and nigh. See, that's King James, son. You don't even know what I'm saying and you feel the anointing. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were afar off, He made real close. Oh, come on. We're going to start all over now. We're going to start all over now. For He is our peace who has made both one. Son, there's so much about Jesus. And hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. I love this. So so get this. Because you got to see what Jesus was doing. Jesus dies on the cross, and they put him in the tomb, and we think he's chilling till he goes to heaven. But he's not. What he's actually doing is he's kicking down walls. Oh, come on. He's, he's kicking in doors and he's tearing down walls. Oh, come on. That's my Jesus. Your Jesus may be a cute little lamb that you just stroke and you hold, but my Jesus is kicking down doors and tearing down walls and snatching keys. This is Jesus. This is Jesus. Yet, look at you now. Everything is new. Although you were once distant and far away from God, now you have been brought delightfully close to Him through the sacred blood of Jesus Christ. You actually have been united to Christ. Thank God for Dr. Simmons and the Passion Translation. Our reconciling peace is Jesus. He made Jew and non-Jew one in Christ. Where's my people? Me and you, he made the white and he made the black one in Jesus Christ. Jermaine, he made us one in Jesus Christ. And if anything, according to race, begins to separate us, that means we built it. That means something in my mind had to build something to say, well, you're different, so it separates me. And the very thing Jesus tore down, I have to start putting it back together. Oh, come on. This is too real. This is why racism is the dumbest thing in the church. Racism is you blatantly saying, I want to build a wall that Jesus died to tear it down. Don't get me started on racism. Jew, one in Christ, by dying as our sacrifice, he has broken down every wall of prejudice that has separated us and has now made us equal through the union of Christ. My gosh, do you love the Bible? Do you love Jesus? This is what this is about. So, So this is why I'm saying we have to declare this. We have to speak this and declare this tonight. Paul said we believe and therefore we speak we say it we declare it and you know what I believe Kenny I believe that Jesus tore down every wall and there's nothing separating us I believe it so tonight I'm gonna declare that there is no wall separating us there is no wall separating us come on somebody say it it feels good there is no wall there is no wall to separate us thanks be unto Jesus Christ Thanks be unto Jesus Christ. Thanks be unto Jesus Christ who has torn down every wall of partition that separated us and made us equal in our union with Jesus Christ. This is it. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And for so long you thought, well, since he did all that, I don't have to go to hell. Oh, but it's so much more. It's so much more. Can we pray together as we close this thing out? God, I'm just thankful for the work of Christ. the Holy Spirit is just wanting to stir up gratitude. Oh, make us grateful again. Oh, but rid us of our pride and our arrogance and let us just come back to that place saying, oh, I'm just thankful. Thankful. Come on, now we're just Mephibosheth, Mephibosheth sitting at the table, saying, "I'm just thankful to be here. I'm not going to complain about what's here and what it feels like, what it look. I'm just thankful to be here because if it wasn't for Jesus, if it wasn't for Jesus, I wouldn't be at this table. I'm just thankful tonight. Gratitude is the foundation of your worship." So tonight, Father, we'll just return us to a place of gratefulness to say thank you, Jesus, that you were just so good that while I was without strength, while I was ungodly, while I was a broken mess, you just, you died, you did it for me. And I'm so thankful tonight. If you're thankful tonight, can you just tell him? Just tell him right now. God, we just thank you. I come tonight to just stir you up by remembrance. I just came to stir you up by way of remembrance that as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of Him. And just be thankful. Just break the bread and be thankful. Just pour the cup and be thankful. Oh, we just thank You tonight, Jesus. We thank You tonight, Jesus. We say thank You. simplicity of the gospel of jesus christ doesn't still move us to our core we can never expect it to move the world <laughs> if the thought of what he went through doesn't still bring me to tears if it doesn't still stir up thankfulness and celebration We just say thank you. I don't even know what to do right now, y'all. I'm just I'm just stirred up by remembering. I've been stirred up a few times in the last couple weeks by being around Nick. Me and and Nick have built a really awesome relationship. He's helped me out on some work, and I've got to help him. We've just been spending a lot of time together. I've noticed if you're around him very long, he just has to bring up his testimony. It's just part of him. He's just going to do it. And I've been stirred lately, and it's it's brought me back to this thankfulness. Because Nick will be the first to admit to you, he ain't got it all together. I mean, he ain't got it all figured out yet, but he's thankful because he'll tell you where he was. He'll tell you how messed up he was and how broken he was. And I heard him slip up today and say he's going to share his testimony pretty soon. So I'm going to keep pushing you on that. But sometimes we need to go back to that and remember if it wasn't for Jesus. If it wasn't for Jesus. Stirred tonight. I'm stirred by way of remembrance. <coughs> oh, it's almost eight thirty. I'm not sure why y'all are still here. Man, he's just good to us. He's just been so good to us. you imagine at this time then the chaos and the uncertainty and the questions and... can you imagine once he's been crucified and they bring him down put yourself in the position of the disciples what now we thought this was it but I'm going to go old school preacher on you I'm going to say, I don't know about y'all, but I read a few chapters ahead. And Sunday's on the way. And we get to celebrate. And I can't do it like them old school black preachers that I like to watch online. But they have this thing about them when they start saying Sunday's on the way. And it just does something in you. And you just want to jump and run. And you want to do that little dance thing that they do that I ain't even going to try. But can I tell y'all? Somebody came in here tonight in the same mental shape as the disciples on Friday night. But can I tell you, Sunday's on the way. And he may be, his body may be in the tomb right now. But Sunday he's coming out. Sunday he did come out. And if he came out, you get to come out too. We have not a high priest who doesn't understand what it's like to be in the grave. Come on. It's easy to preach in here tonight. I could start all over. Y'all may pick another scripture. We'll go again. Who's got the night shift? I love y'all so much. Don't forget, tomorrow night is our family. family. Thank you for listening to this Life Church podcast.